You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Let's look at, let's turn to Jude chapter 3, or Jude verse 3. There's only one chapter. And um, he says here, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning your common salvation, our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once uh, for all, was once for all delivered to the saints. And this is Jude talking to uh, us, and he's telling us to contend for the faith. Now, when I came into Charismania, and uh, I guess it was around... 1984 and 1985, somewhere in there. And, uh, and so I came around these uh, crazy charismatic people. Um, and uh, so I started learning things about words. And that uh, your words have life, that your words have power, that death and life is in the tongue. Uh, you can decree a thing and it'll be established, all those kinds of things. And uh, anybody uh, came into the body of Christ around the time, you remember mouth monitors. People would monitor your mouth and what you would say and what you didn't say and <laughs> all those things. And so, uh, <clears throat> so I wanted to talk to you about that. I have noticed even in myself that, you know, you don't see that very much uh, anymore and, uh, and, you know, you can have a tendency to think that we've moved on from some things. But Jude said to contend for the faith. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight, contending for the faith. And so we're going to hold on to some things, hold fast to some things that the Lord has taught us. You know, if you look back over church history, there are things that the Lord restored back into the body of Christ. And uh, you see, um, you know, through the charismatic move, people came out of, uh, you know, um, non-traditional uh, churches and came over to non-denominational type churches. And uh, they began to learn uh, about the gifts of the Spirit. They began to learn about the Word of God uh, and putting the Word in your mouth and declaring and decreeing a thing and all of those kinds of things. And so, again, I think that some of it has slipped. And so Jude is reminding us that these are things that we need to contend for. Those things that God has brought back to our forefront or emphasizing, we need to be reintroduced sometimes to those things. So we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight. And uh, so uh, in light of this, the Lord has talked to us several times about our words. So I went back and looked at some things. And so... Sunday, December 10th, 2006, we were in our former building. He said this to us, for this year that you've come into, this is a glorious year, a great year of glory and power, but your gratitude and your words determines which door shall open and which door shall remain shut. So that's 2006. And then in 2007, he comes to us and he says, so once again, I say to you, I declare to you, I admonish you. I say I have come for your words, but I hear them not. Contending for the faith. I have come for your words. I have come for your declarations. I'll come for your decrees, but, but I hear them not. 
But if you will this day begin to fill this atmosphere with my words, says the Lord, the angels will hearken quickly to the things that you have desired and shall soon, and the things you have desired shall soon come to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've come for your words. And then at noon prayer this um, April, April 14th, pastor prayed this out this year. And I'm not going to read everything, but he begins to say, who will pray? Who will make a way? Pick up, pick up, pick up, pick up. Come for your words. Come for your words. I need more words. Need more words. And then he says, and the prayer groups, they must also not, uh, not just pray, they must also say. They must say some things uh, you say, uh, some things you say, some things you pray. But you must also teach them to declare, to decree a thing, pray it out, but then decree it and then declare it. Not enough to pray it. It's not enough to pray it out. What's on my heart? You've come to declare and decree a thing. You've got to declare and decree a thing. Make it so. Make it so. So we throw in a little Star Trek there. Hallelujah. And, uh, and then he says, there shall be a performance just like Mary. I need your words. I need your words. And he says that several times. From a place and a heart, a full assurance of faith. And then in December of 20, this past year, this is what he says to us. And in this hour and in this day, angelic activity shall increase. Now, before he says, I come for your words, and then here he's talking about angels. He said, angelic activity shall increase, but they can only help you as you speak my word. So be very mindful of their help. It's not uh, uh, as though you command them, but my word commands them. For they come unto, uh, for they've come unto you to help you. This body, my body in the hour of need. But they, the angels, have come for your words, and they find them lacking. Anybody seeing a theme going on here? The Lord keeps coming, and He keeps finding our words lacking. Several times over a span of years, he keeps saying to us, he wants our words. And then he says, so speak my word only. Speak my word in this day and in this hour and watch and see behind the scenes as I move. Watch and see and don't be discouraged at the things that surround you for you shall surely will look upon your eye with your eyes and see the very recompense of the wicked. For I, the Lord, have made a way for you. For those of you who dwell in me, who live in me, I live in you, you live in me, I make a way for you. I've made a way for you. Can you not see it? Have you not, have I not said it? Has it not been prophesied of old, even before the beginnings of the new? I told you what I would do. And in the Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding to the voice of the word. So the, uh, the Lord has come, kind of like inspecting the troops, looking around, inspecting the troops, and he says he finds our words lacking. And then the angels are coming, <laughs> and they come for our words, and they find them lacking. 
So if the Lord is saying this, he's not said anything about anything else. I, I don't believe, I take that back. He talked about in the same prophecy in December about us praising. And there were some things he said that he wants to see some more rejoicing. He wants to see some more praise. He wants to see some more halaling. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it, the Lord is looking for something. Amen. He's looking for words. And interesting enough, he didn't say, I come for your belief. He said, I come for your words. He's saying, I come for your words and I find them lacking. So why words? Why are they important? We're going to go to Isaiah 55, 11. We are part of a speaking kingdom. The kingdom of God is voice activated. You see in Genesis, God said uh, <clears throat> what he wanted. You see all down through there, he talks about uh, uh, he, 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 he spoke things out and then he saw what he said. In Isaiah 55 11, it says, so shall my word that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return to me void. But it shall accomplish that which I please and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. The NIV says of this, so is my word that goes from my mouth. It will not return empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. His word will not return unto him void or empty. Uh, <clears throat> Patsy Caminetti, who's ministered here before uh, several years ago, she said the Lord told her this one time. The only time my word is void is when it's not returned. If it's not return, it does not produce. So if we want his word to produce, what do we got to do? Return his word. Amen. Are you out there? You guys okay? Amen. We are part of this, this speaking kingdom, what some call the great confession. And it says uh, in Hebrews that Jesus is the high priest, uh, the apostle and high priest over our profession or confession. So if we're not returning any words back to him, what is he the high priest over? That's right. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So a kingdom voice activated kingdom. And let's look at Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat. <clears throat> what eat is fruit. Proverbs 6, 2 says you are snared, a trap by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. And so <laughs> uh, in studying along this line, you know, I've had people over the years, so uh, it don't matter what I say. It's not that big of a deal. You're trying to put me in bondage. <clears throat> so whether you're in this speaking kingdom that we're a part of, uh, even negatively or even if you're not born again, you can still speak things out of your mouth and declare things and decree things and they happen. I found uh, these, I don't know if you want to call them testimonies or not, but uh, these accounts of people who spoke things out of their mouth and uh, some things occurred. So there's this uh, musician, his name is Mike Welsh, the former bass guitarist for the band Weezer. Never heard of that before. Uh, he predicted his own death on Twitter based on a dream he had. On September 26, 2011, the 40-year-old musician tweeted, 
dreamt I died in Chicago next weekend, and in um, um, parenthesis it says heart attack in my sleep, need to write my will today immediately. He tweeted a correction the weekend after next. Two weeks later, on October 8, 2011, Welsh was found dead in his hotel room. This suspected cause of death was a heart attack brought on by drug use. Jimi Hendrix, he um, wrote the lyrics to a song in September 1965, and, um, <clears throat> the and it's called The Ballad of Jimmy. The lyrics include, many things, many things I would try, for he knew he would die. Now Jimmy's gone, he's not alone, his memory still lives on. Five years, this, is, uh, this he said, he's not gone, he's dead. Exactly five years later, Jimi Hendrix died on September 18th, just as he had declared. Tupac Shakur. He was asked in a PBS interview, Tupac, where will you find yourself in the next few years? He said, best case in a cemetery. He wrote a song two months before he died. In the lyrics it said, I've been shot and murdered. John Lennon was asked in an interview, do you plan to leave show business? He said, I'll probably get shot. In another interview, he said, I'll probably be murdered by a madman. And he was. So whether you're in God's kingdom or in the devil's kingdom or we're speaking, we're speaking spirits. And so words that come out of our mouths are important, Amen. right? Amen. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to get y'all all solemn and everything. We, it's going to pick up here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So you get a kind of an idea of what it was like in the 80s where people were <laughs> monitoring what you say come out of your mouth. So what you say is your faith speaking. You can have what you say. Hallelujah. So what does earnestly contending for the faith involve? Let's go to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. I'm going to try to go through this quickly and not get stuck. So this is God speaking to Abraham, verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. So Abraham uh, was like God. He began to call things as though, uh, that be not as though they were. Abraham called those things that were not. And so to in, uh, earnestly, and that means effort. You cannot be passive about faith. You cannot be passive about the things of God. Because you have an opposer. We have an enemy. That, so uh, it's just interesting. <laughs> I have a gift for you guys a little bit later. Uh, Bethany's been running all over town today trying to get it here. Uh, and uh, I thought it was just interesting that one of the things that the Lord uh, is saying to us that we're trying to correct or trying to give him that the enemy was trying to steal from us tonight. And so you have an opposer, someone who doesn't want you to call those things that be not as though they were. But we have to do that. So he says, he quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that be not as though they were. In verse 18, 
who against hope believe in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. So the things that, that were going on in Abraham's and Sarah's life, which you're going to look at in a minute, it was hope against hope because it did not look like they could become the father of many nations at all. But against hope against hope <laughs> that he might become the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So he had to hold on. She had to hold on. We have to hold on to what God said. Not something just random, you know, just pulling something out of the ether <laughs> that's not, a, not uh, conducive with the word of God or uh, parallel with the word of God. But what did God say to you? that the enemy might be contending you for, trying to take from you your health, your finances, your kids, your future. So we contend based on what God said. And we have to know what God said, not yeah, 1 Peter 2.24. <laughs> years ago, I was uh, not feeling well. We were over at the other building. My office was across from pastor's office. And I'm a hachu, hachu, blowing my nose, hachu, hachu. And pastor said, what does the word say? I said, 1 Peter 2, 24, Matthew 8, 17. I just gave the references. I didn't say what the scripture was. And that's, just, that's not enough. We have to know what God said. Uh, just saying the references doesn't help you. <laughs> the power is in the word, right? Yeah, that's right? Hallelujah. So we have to know what God said. And so he said, verse 18, who against hope against hope that it might become the father of many nations according to what that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, not weak in faith, that means he was strong. He considered not his own body dead. Hallelujah. And in Hebrews, it talks about his body being good as dead. So not considering his own body now dead. That means that at 20, they couldn't have children. That means at 90, they couldn't have children. So their bodies are dead, no matter what age they are. So when God says something then to us, Things start moving. When we believe what he said to us, things start moving to accommodate what he's spoken to us. That's right. Amen. <laughs> as we start decreeing things, we start declaring things, things start moving towards what God said. Yeah. You know, if you, uh, last year, the, the Lord several times said, um, by the Spirit of God, that um, there were people who needed to start a business. But we were in a year of COVID. Well, what does that have to do with anything? Because God said, God said, start a business. Some of you, God said, buy a house. Some of you, God said, get out of debt. Some of you, God said some, what did God say to you? That the things in this world and what you see round about you is opposing you. If he told you to buy a house and the bank uh, denied your loan, that means that there's another bank. That's right. Because right? God said. So there's a bank out there that's going to get in line with what God said. Amen. So don't let the first one that denies you trip you up. Because there's an answer, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. And so verse 19, he said, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body dead when he was about 100 years old. How do you like that? 
be about 100 years old, and the Lord said, you're going to have a baby. Woo, praise the Lord. I'm nowhere near 100. I'd probably faint if he said that to me. Hallelujah. In verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So he had to consider his body and he had to consider her body that was good as dead. She couldn't have a baby at 19 (laughs) and her body's still not producing in her 90s. Hallelujah. So what does it matter? You hold on to what God said. Amen. Amen. Verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, strong in the faith, giving glory to God. And I looked at that word glory there, and it means honor, praise, and worship. So it was interesting to me, the two things that he talked to us about in December was I come for your words, and he wants us to rejoice through 2021. Amen. 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 So, uh, and so here in this verse in um, Romans 4.20, he says, giving glory and honor, giving glory to God. So honor, praise, and worship to him. Being fully persuaded that he, what he had promised, he was able to perform. Now we see here in Romans 4.17 in this chapter that this is the end of his faith. We see that in that last verse where fully persuaded that God was able to perform what he said to them. So we see the end. So let's go back and look at the beginning of their faith. Now we're talking about God, why are our words important and why God comes for our words. So let's go to Genesis chapter 12 and we'll start with verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get thee out from your country and go to your kindred uh, and from your kindred and from the, thy father's house unto the land that I will show you. Now, if you think about it, their uh, society was not as nomadic or people moving away from home when they turned 18 and that kind of thing. They lived in camps or estates or, you know, they would buy land up and they would um, house themselves together, generations upon generations and that kind of thing. So it was a big deal for God to tell Abraham to get out from his countrymen. So he left everything that he knew. Verse 2, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee, and, that, <clears throat> and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed. That means he believed what God said because he put action to what God said. Get out from your country, countrymen, get out from your family, And he left, not knowing where he was going. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. Well, he didn't leave everybody. And Abram was 75 years old. So don't let age. (laughs) Here at 75, he becomes a, a nomad, going to a country he know not of. And a lot of us, we think we get past 40 and God can't do anything with us anymore. So 75 years old is when uh, God first started talking to Abraham about his descendants. And it says when he departed out of Haran, and then he departed out of Haran. Let's go to Genesis 13, 14. Genesis 13, 14. 
So Abraham here, the first time he hears God talks to him about his seed or the generations to come, he's 75 years old. Genesis 13, 14, and the Lord said to Abram, after that lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee, I will give to thee and thy seed forever. So God is talking to him about his seed. He's talking to him about legacy. He's talking to him about the generations that are to come, that he's going to give him, the, Abraham, this land and his seed after him. Now, he's 75 years old. His body is good as dead. He has no, he has no heir in his household. And God is talking to him about seed. God is talking to him about his future. So let's go to... Genesis 13, verse, I'm sorry, Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. So God talked to him at first and came to him and talked to him. Now he's seeing God in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? Now what has God been talking to him about? Seed. And so he's saying to the Lord, in a vision, the Lord visiting him, he's going, Lord, can you see I'm not I'm childless? As if God don't know. See, I go childless. And the steward of my house is this Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold to me that thou hast given no seed. What has God been talking to him about? Seed. And, he, and Abraham's words back to God are, you've given me no seed. I've come for your words. I've come for your words. And Abraham said, behold to me, thou hast given me no, given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, now, he says in that verse, he said, the one in my house is mine heir. So what he's telling him is that you haven't given me any seed. So I've hired this, this family in my house. So Eleazar is my heir, the one that I bought. And God comes to him and says, behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this shall not be thine heir. The person you bought... <laughs> The person that's not related to you in your house is not your heir. But he shall come forth out of your own bowels, shall he be your heir. Amen. So what does that mean? He's coming not from out here. He's coming from your body. Yes. Your body that's good as dead. Amen. He's talking to him about seed. And he's telling the, the Lord's talking to him about seed, talking to him about his seed forever, talking about the land he's going to give him. You know, if it's just you and your wife, you don't need a lot of land. But the Lord is talking to him about as far as your eye can see, I'm going to give it to you and your descendants forever. Amen. He's talking to him about seed. Yes. But he that comes out of your own body, out of your own bowels, shall be your heir. So whatever you're trying to connive, anybody try to help God out? He's spoken to you something, a promise. We've been singing about promises. He's spoken something to you. 
and, and time <laughs> happens and it doesn't happen as quickly as you think it ought to happen and you try to help, help God out. And he brought him forth abroad and said, look now into heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. He's giving him his word. And he believed the Lord. So it said he believed the Lord. He believed in the Lord. He believed what God had spoken to him. He believed when God spoke to him when he was with his family. Enough that he departed and left his family. He believed. <clears throat> and he believed in the Lord and it was counted to him for righteousness. So he believed in this moment. He believed what the Lord said to him about a son, about an heir, about a seed, but he still doesn't have it. He's believed, but he still doesn't have it. Abraham is saying to, to the Lord, his words back to the Lord are, seeing I go childless. I have not given, uh, you've not given me seed. There is nothing in these statements that Abraham is giving back to God that has faith in him. Yet he believes in his heart, but he's still lacking something. Brother Hagen, uh, I was been listening to him lately around these things. The Lord has kind of been stirring me up about confession and uh, going back to the roots of things. You know, a lot of times we think we've grown past some stuff and, you know, and so it's good to go back to the basics and listen. And one of the statements I heard him say, he said, he said, your life will never rise above your confession. Your life will never rise above your confession. So keep that in mind. Genesis chapter 16, verse 1. Now Sarah, Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she said she had a handmaiden, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Next verse. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. Now whose fault it is that she don't have a child? It's the Lord's fault. I pray thee, go into my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. Since the Lord told you that it would come out of your body, that the seed would come out of your body, the seed would come out of your bowels, you go into my handmaiden and, uh, that, I might, that I may obtain children by her. That is not what God said, right? And Abram said, okay, sure. No big deal. You sanctioned it? No big deal. I'll, I'll, I'll go do it. Whatever you say. So Sarah, Sarah's words are not right either. And Abraham obeyed her. A lot of problems we have it in the world today is because he did. Hallelujah. Our own human planning, our own helping God out. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so let's go to Genesis 16, 16. 
So the Lord told him he would have seed. And then the Lord told him that he would have children that come out of his bowels, his own body. Verse 16, uh, Genesis 16. And Abram was fourscore and six years old. So he's 86 years old. When Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. God spoke to him at 75. 11 years later now, he has Ishmael. It's still not the promised seed. And he still not has, has not seen the fulfillment of what God said. He's had visions. He's had a visitation from the Lord. The Lord has appeared to him. The Lord has spoken to him. So that tells you that dramatic experiences with the Lord is not what authors your faith. And it's not your faith. So seeing visions, you know, Jesus in white raiment walking into your bedroom, standing at the foot of your bed, hallelujah. Dramatic experiences don't author faith or not a substitute for faith. So Abraham is 86 when Ishmael was born, 11 years later after God has spoken to him. After this, God goes silent. Why should he talk anyway? Because they're not listening to him. So for the next 13 years, God does not talk to Abram and Sarah. Let's go to Genesis 17.1. Our own plan sometimes hinders God. God came down to talk to Abram. He had a vision, you know, of the Lord, all those kinds of things. And then what they did to try to fix and make their own way to help God out caused him to go up for 13 years. Jesus 17.1. I'm Jenny, Jesus. Genesis 17.1. And when Abram was 90, 90 years old and nine, so he's 99 now. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. <laughs> so he's telling him, I want you to walk with me. I want you to do what I tell you to do. Verse 2. And I will make a covenant between me and thee. Me and you, <laughs> not you, me and uh, you and Eleazar, not me, you and Hagar, me and you. I'm making a covenant with you and will multiply thee exceedingly. He's back to talking to him again about, okay, for 13 years I've been quiet. Maybe you'll listen to me now. Verse three, verse three, and Abram fell on his face. I'm, I'm at the end of what I can do. <laughs> you see humility in this. He fell down on his face and God talked to him saying, verse 4, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Verse 5, Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram. And the name Abram, let's see if I can find it here. I got it written down, I'm sure of it. Means exalted father. So Abram means exalted father, and he says, But thy name shall be Abraham, means meaning father of a multitude. So 
all of this time, he's been, uh, Abraham believed, he left his kindred, he left his homeland, left everything that he always knew all of his life. He believed God, and it says that when he talked to, God talked to him about his seed, he believed him. But something was still not jiving here. So the Lord comes down, and let's see, verse 15 of 17. God said to Abram, ask for Sarai, thy wife. Thou shalt call her name Sarai, not, uh, not call her name Sarai, but call her Sarah, shall her name be. Sarai means princess. In some version, it means contentious one. And then Sarah means the queen of princes. So, all of this time, they believed. Abraham believed. But nothing that God had promised him had showed up. Why? Because every time he went back to God, he went back to him with his words, not God's words. There's no, there's no air in my house. I don't have any seed. Uh, Sarah's saying, you know, God has restrained me. I can't have children. So every time God appears and he's telling them what his promise is. Remember we sang about promise earlier tonight? He tells them what his promise is. The words that they give back to him are not his words. They're their words. I'm barren. I asked the Lord yesterday because I was studying along these lines and it was, um, <clears throat> I can't remember where I was going. I was in the car. I said, Lord, why are you, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you see him working with barrenness. Why do you work with barrenness? Why, why is this deal? You see these great manifestations of things with barrenness. He said to show forth my almightiness. Amen. I like that to show forth his almightiness where it's impossible, where they say it can't be done because in your body, your body is a certain age. And then, you know, if Abraham and Sarah couldn't have a baby when they were younger, you know, in society today, if you get past 40, they, they call it a danger zone. Can you imagine at 100 and at 99? So he's talking to them about what, what he does is he changes their name. So when they're talking to one another, when she says, Abraham, it's time for dinner, what she's saying is, Father of many nations, it's time for dinner. Amen. When he says, Sarah, can I have a sandwich? He's saying, Mother of princess, can I have a sandwich? So when he changed their name and everybody starts calling them Abraham and Sarah, what they are declaring and decreeing is what God said. Yes. So now they have his words in their mouth. Yes. And everybody else is with them declaring what God said. So they're no longer saying my body's dead. They're no longer saying that I can't produce. They're no longer saying God is restraining me. I am the father of many nations. Hello, my name was Abram. My name now is Abraham, father of multitude. And so as they're calling them those names, it's producing something. So now they're not only just believing, but they're also speaking. And so when they start doing this, within three months of them changing their name, Sarah gets pregnant. And within a year, let's go to Genesis uh, 21, verse 1. 
Genesis 21, verse 1. And the Lord visited Sarah, and he had, uh, as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah has born. Not Eleazar's kid, not Hagar's kid, the son that Sarah bore him. They called him Isaac. And Abram circumcised his son Isaac being eight days old as God has commanded him. And Abraham was what? A hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. So for 24 years, there was nothing except believing. And believing is good. That's a good start. It caused him to move because he believed. It caused him to believe uh, to trust God because he believed. But belief wasn't enough. God had to have words. So we're a part of a speaking kingdom. And so we in um, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, having the same spirit of faith, according that it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Believing and speaking, believing and speaking. It's a divine law. So the law was not complete. They believed in their heart what God said, but the words that were coming out of their mouth, not were they lacking, they just were the wrong words. That's right. Amen. And what God is saying to us, he's not saying, I need your belief. He's saying, you're not giving me words. So that means we're not saying anything. Because he might say, okay, the words you're giving me are wrong. But we're not, he said that our words were lacking. And so we see here with Abraham and, and Sarah, they believed. And I, I trust and probably know that most people in this room believe that God, or all of us in this room, believe that God wants the best for us, that he wants healing for us, that he wants prosperity for us, that he purchased all, that he wants peace for us. Everything that Jesus purchased in redemption, that he wants it for us. We believe it. But what are we saying? My, my, my knees hurt. Man, I, 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 I can't go up and down stairs. My knees hurt. I can't lose weight. I just look at a donut and gain five pounds. I'll never pay this car off. I'll, I'll never pay. It's too expensive. I'll never pay this car off. I'll never have a house like that. What are we saying? Or are we not saying anything? He says that he's come and in our words are lacking and the angels have come and our words are lacking. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, I know I'm seeing a little passionate about this because the Lord's been dealing with me. So he deal with me. You get it too. 
because I'm having to make some adjustments myself. So one year after they get in their mouth, I'm a father of multitudes and she's a, she's a mother of princes. They have a baby. 24 years, nothing. And they believed. One year of saying. Three months of saying. And she's pregnant. So that means the words are working. But get this. After they, she gets pregnant, they don't change their name. They keep their name, Abraham and Sarah. Father of multitudes, mother of princes. Why? Because just because faith has been authored doesn't mean that it's finished. Now, if she's 99 years old, if she was in this day and age, they were going, you have lost your mind to get pregnant, woman. What are you thinking? Because they tell 40-year-olds that, right? And so she's 99. How, how much of a high-risk pregnant pregnancy is she? Plus, this is the promised seed. So the enemy is opposing, and he's going to try to do everything he can to thwart what God said. So <clears throat> they keep calling themselves Abraham and Sarah to the baby's born. And even then, they don't change their name because we're still calling them Abraham and Sarah. He said, uh, <clears throat> for your seed and those that come after you, yeah. for the generations that come after you. Did you remember that Isaac, Rebecca, Isaac's wife, was also barren? So God said, your seed and them that come after you. So not only do they have to believe for the promised seed, but have to believe for the future generations. So they have to keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it. And it's producing something because they keep saying it and they keep saying it. They keep saying I'm the father of multitudes. But at that time, there's only three of them. But now, not only does he have seed by his own physical body, but we are Abraham's seed as well. We are the promised children. Amen. We are the ones that add to the, the stars in the sky and the sands of the seashore. That's right. Amen. <laughs> Glory, to God. Glory to God. Let's go to Mark eleven twenty three, and we're going to wrap this up. You guys are okay? Amen. Mark eleven twenty two, And Jesus answered and said unto him, to them, have faith in God. For verily I say to you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass and he ha shall have whatsoever he say. Say is in this verse three times. So what he's telling us is that you believe, but you got to do three times more saying than you do believing. So we are part of a speaking, a believing, and a speaking kingdom. So why has the Lord come for our words? Because he's coming for us to give his words back to him. And it's his words that produce. It's his words that bring power. It's his words that bring life. And so what we want to do is return his word back to him because what? It will not return into him empty, void. Null of power. Hallelujah. So <clears throat> we want, when he comes again, 
to find our words and not find them lacking. So uh, Travis issued a, a challenge to you earlier. And so <laughs> we, ha- we will have no excuse, guys. Uh, JC, can you go? I um, have this little book, and it's by uh, Kenneth E. Hagan. And so the, our usher guys are going to pass one out. And so I want to sow this into your life. This book, uh, I was watching an interview with uh, Charles Capps, and uh, he was a farmer years ago, got a hold of the word of faith. He said this little book revolutionized his life. And uh, some, he had went to hear this man he never heard of him before named Kenneth E. Hagan. And they had this book on his book table. This is the first book of his that he read. And he said it revolutionized and changed his life. Amen. So the title of it is You Can Have What You Say. Amen. You can have what you say. Yes. And so when Jesus comes back again to inspect the troops, I expect him to say, hey, here at Cornerstone, they got some words going out there. Hey, here at Cornerstone, they're speaking words of life. Hey, here at Cornerstone, there's some power. There's some things going on. I can get in the middle of all that. Amen. And not find our words lacking. We hope you're inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Seawall Madison. We believe God is working within you, and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.